Because in our lives, there comes a point, now let's get to my message, where God shuts the door. God shuts the door. Does God open doors? Absolutely. Does God shut doors? Yes. Does the enemy open doors? Yes. Does the enemy shut doors? Yes. Do you open doors? Yes. Do you shut doors? Yes. You have to have discernment on what's going on. And are open doors always a sign of God's will? Absolutely not. I'm looking for a new job. I'm looking for a new job. I'm looking for a new job. And I remember the man that thought, it's a $10,000 bonus and a big raise if he takes this job and moves to another state. So he took his teenage kids and his wife, and he took the job, moved to the other state, and his daughter became a drug addict in high school because she couldn't find any friends, and she became an outcast and almost lost her life, all because Dad decided there was an open door and there was more money and more pay, and he was driven by that, and he didn't really get led by the Holy Spirit. And he said that. And he said it changed our family for the worst. Are closed doors always a sign of God's will? No, because the enemy can shut a door. God has given us free will to make choices, to look at our options. You and I have free will. So we can choose to decide what we're going to do. Oh, this chick looks good. I'm single. I need a wife. She's everything I've wanted in a wife because she looks so good. I don't know much about her personality. I don't know much about her background, but she looks good. She's a trophy wife, or he's a trophy husband. And then you pay hell on earth for the next 40 years. You see, we are more than chess pieces on a board in God's eyes. Come on now. God's not constantly moving and manipulating us and doing this. He's not doing it. He's given us free will. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Isaiah 41, 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's word has promises for us that we are to believe and trust But the problem is we don't use our mustard seed of faith, that tiny little seed, to see God's will in the situation and then to pray and do according to his will, not ours. You know, the word of faith movement is all about naming and claiming and, and believing. And if you want that Cadillac, you just believe God. Now, that's where they got off. Do I believe God wants to prosper you? Absolutely. Do I believe God wants to bless you? Absolutely. But he wants to bless you according to his will, not yours. And as he prospers you and he blesses you and he pours those things into you, it is to be used to further the kingdom of God, to help the poor, to help the broken, to help the hurting. As those riches come in, it's not to fulfill your idleness to keep you idle. It's for you to be able to do the things for the kingdom of God. I have a good friend, Dr. Paul King. Before he moved back to Oklahoma, he taught at Oral Roberts. 
and he was telling me where they have gotten off, and he's a brilliant man. And I bought a bunch of his books from him, and I was just, the other day I was reading a book that he wrote called Mountain Movers, and it was so encouraging. And he gave me a book, he said, this is a different book, I haven't got to it yet, he said, uh, this is where the Word of Faith people got off and why they've gotten into so much trouble. Use your mustard seed of faith to see God's will and believe it to be done. So the first point today is this. We access the door by trusting in Jesus. No other way. We access the door by trusting in Jesus. Romans 8, 29 through 32. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How we will not? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things, his will to accomplish his goals? You have been given so much in order to further the kingdom of God, not your retirement. Am I against being frugal and being a good planner? No, but I'm just telling you, they can take that 401k at any time just with a piece of legislation. You've got to put your hope and trust in Jesus. And while you have the means and the opportunity to further the kingdom of God, you need to do it. Now's the time to help your children get ahead. And all the young people, 30 and under, said amen. I'm not saying you hand them everything, but you can help them get a good start. Because debt will choke you out. It will choke you out. So we have to be careful. We access the door by trusting Jesus. He freely gives us all things. Write this down. I want you to write this down. We access the door by constantly conforming to his image. We trust him and we conform daily to the image of Christ. That's how we access the door to his will. We conform to the image of Christ. He set the example. The door is always open. If we are not seeing it, it's because we are not following Christ. Let me say that again. The door is always open to his will, but if we're not seeing it, it's because we're not following him. Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to be looking for. God, how can I follow your will? If this door gets shut, maybe that wasn't your will. And I'm going to look at examples here in a moment of doors that got shut. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the very last verse, Samuel, the prophet of God, who had gone and anointed King Saul to be king, and Saul disobeyed, and Saul became ungodly in some of the things he was doing, and God said, I am so upset that I even allowed him to become king, I'm done with him. 
And in the last verse of 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says that the prophet Samuel was still grieving over King Saul. And then in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, verse 1, it goes on to say, Samuel, stop grieving. There are times when the door gets shut and God says, it's time to move on. Some of you are still grieving the loss of somebody that has died. That's a terrible thing. I've lost family members. I've lost them. But I don't continually grieve over them. I move on because I trust the Lord that his will has been done. I know a person whose spouse has been dead for at least five to eight years, and they still go to the gravesite every day and try to talk to them. That is not only weird, that is ignorance. They're not there. But you've got to move on. Some of you, your divorce has bound you up so bad that you've not been able to move on. God says it's time to move on. That door got shut. Some of you, the loss of that job and what that boss did or what somebody did to you at that corporation or that business has got you so bound up and God says, it's shut, move on. Take it as a stepping stone, a learning block, learn from it and go be a better person, amen? Don't be a bitter person. We access the door by trusting Jesus. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Come on now. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We keep trusting Jesus. He's our source. Let me tell you something. Serving God is a lonely road because you're going to do it alone. Yes, there are brothers and sisters in the kingdom, but when it comes to you and God's purpose and plan, it's you. It's you. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my children's spouses. I love my grandchildren. But none of them will dictate to me me following Jesus. That will never change. That will never change. And sometimes we let these things get out of proportion, and, and, and we got to understand it's God first, amen? It's not career first. It's not family first. It's God first in everything. It's God first when it doesn't make sense to them, amen? It's God first when he tells you to do something that nobody else is like, oh, my gosh, but you know God's lined it up with his word. He's told you you are to do this. You need to step out. I was thinking about one of the pool boys that's at Bible college and wants to be a missionary because he knows that God told him to be a missionary. And he's left home, and he's gone there, and I'm sure his mom's thinking, I wish he would contact me more. And I'm sure his brothers and sisters are saying, I wish we heard more from him. But he's on a mission to accomplish what God has for him. 
He's doing what God's called him to do. And sometimes it looks like they're all alone, but they're really not alone because Jesus is there and the Holy Spirit's directing them. I remember when, and I love my dad so much, but I remember because he was a Tennessee boy from Tazewell, Tennessee, and, and I was working for Union Carbide, and they had just promoted me to Loudoun, Tennessee, about 40 minutes from Tazewell, right there at the Smoky Mountains, and I was going to get this new promotion, two levels, and I called Dad, and I said, Dad, they gave me this promotion, and they want me to move to Loudoun. They're going to take care of me and everything, but I feel this call in the ministry, and a church is wanting me to come and be a youth pastor, and I'm really feeling like that's what I need to do. And my dad, so sincere, said, Son, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. You need to go to God's country. I said, Dad, I know you feel that way about the South, but there's something I've learned about a lot of family members in the South and be it living in Arkansas a while. They are so hospitable, amen. They can butter you up. Oh, come to our house and eat. You want this. You come over here and do this. But they, they still take that same butter knife down South, and when your back is turned, they go, because you show up and you say, hey, I come over, you're inviting me. Well, I, I really wasn't expecting you to come over today. And I've learned that about the South. I love the people in the South because I've got all these roots. But I'm telling you now, it's different down there. You get one of those rednecks mad, I don't care how much he loves Jesus. That gun or knife will come out. Not with all of them. Vern's down there in Georgia. He's a new man now, so it's all good. But, you know, you, you've got to understand there are some good people down there. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's some rednecks in Indiana too, amen? Come on. You can't let somebody take you away from God's will. You can't let the devil trip you up. God's will for Adam and Eve was to stay in that garden to prosper, to, be, to multiply, to do all these things, and yet they allowed the enemy to help them shut a door. And they got booted out, and the door was shut to the garden. And I think about th saints of old, when you think about some of their stories and, and what's gone on in their lives, I think about um, George Mueller. And it says that George Mueller was mentored by Whitfield. He patterned some of his life after that man of God. But then George Mueller mentored Hudson Taylor and Charles Spurgeon. They saw what he was doing. George Mueller started orphanages. He felt a call to reach children. He wanted to get people full of the Holy Spirit and doing the things of God, but all of a sudden God changed the direction and he started reaching out to children. He was reaching out to Jews, but God changed the direction and he started orphanages. And he was never in it for the money because he didn't have much money. But then there became a drought over there in England and 
He needed 2,000 gallons of water a day for the three orphanages that he had. He had 15 cisterns that needed to be filled up. He had eight wells. They were all drying up, and he had just a little bit left, and he was praying every day, God, send the rain. Oh, Jesus, send the rain. We need the rain. I have these children. Please, in this orphanage, send the rain, send the rain, send the rain. And when he got to his last gallon of water, a farmer came to him, and he said, listen, I have this brook, and it keeps flowing. Could you please come and get the water you need out of this brook for your children? And so George Mueller gets there, and they're just hauling water back and forth to keep the orphanages going. And God sustained him until the rains came, but it didn't come with the rain. It came through another way, but God answered his prayer. And George Mueller said, you pray about everything. You seek God about everything. You trust God for everything. Then in the late 1860s, three epidemics took place. Typhoid fever, scarlet fever, and smallpox. And he and his staff every day prayed over the children. God, protect them, keep them safe. Not one child in those orphanages got scarlet fever. Not one child in those orphanages ended up with typhoid fever. But 15 of those children got smallpox. And it was a mild case, but they just prayed over them and prayed over them and prayed over them. And all of a sudden, the smallpox left those children and nobody else ever got it. Through those epidemics, those children were kept safe and whole and not one child was lost. But here we are, we have an epidemic and we are freaking out, we're gloving up, masking up, we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, believing the lies of this government. Where has our faith gone to trust God to do his will in and through us when he's called us to do things? Our source is not our government. Our source is Jesus Christ. When the Black Plague was going on, I think it was Parnell, I can't remember who it was, but one of them, they were there, and they were in the midst praying and reaching people, and they were picking up people with the plague and burying them, and they went to Parnell, and they said, why is it you're not getting sick? You're handling all these people. He goes, God's taking care of me. They took samples of his blood. They wanted to find out if there was something special there. Jesus spared him the entire time to do the will, but yet we freak out. It's called practicing medicine. It doesn't always work. And something that takes eight years to get through and we push it through in a year. I'm a little bit ticked off at Donald Trump for that. Oh, somebody, I'm going to Trumpites now, I'm not to get you mad. What the heck was he thinking listening to these people? We're going, to make, we're going to make it happen quick. And yet that stuff has messed up so many people. And we believe the lies. And they keep doing it. And do you think they're going to stop there? Come on now. When their goal is less than 500 million people in the world, that means 7.5 billion people have to die? Now Klaus Schwab is upset because he's like, they're not, they're not following us. They're not believing us. Go to Africa, man. Those people won't let any vaccination take place because I saw what Bill Gates did to them. 
and how he messed up their children. Your hope is not in a vaccination. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm stepping on some toes today. I'm telling you, you trust God to open and shut the door. Amen? It's amazing. George Mueller said that at least a thousand times in his lifetime, a thousand times, they were down to their last meal at the orphanages. He kept expanding orphanages. He was a believing God. He got this land at a great deal, and he knew he was supposed to build another orphanage, and he needed 2,000 pounds. And the money never came in, the money never came in, the money never came in. And he's like, I know I'm supposed to, God, you told me we're going to have another orphanage. I know I'm supposed to reach these children. You're going to have to let the land go back. You're going to have to sell it. You're going to have to get rid of it. You're going to have to do it. And finally, the week before, he wasn't sure what was going to happen. The money came in to build the next orphanage. A thousand times he said, I was, I was down to our last meal and we were praying. He says, pray about everything. Pray daily about everything. Don't stop praying about everything. He said, we were down to our last meal. Over a thousand times this happened and somehow, some way, the food came in. God always took care of us. We may get to a point where there's going to have to be a multiplication of the five fish and two loaves in our own homes. Amen? Come on now. We're Americans. We don't want to think about that. I'm not a doom and gloomer. I'm just trying to help you understand we're to trust Jesus over any government. When you look at some of the stuff in the past that this government has done, oh, we're so upset at Iran. We're so upset, yet we're giving them billions. We're so upset at Iran, but yet we helped take the Shah, the Shah of Iran out. Come on now, we are doing stuff behind the scenes that's so evil. I remember at the Bohemian Grove when Colin, Colin Powell said he was teaching there. And that's, just look up the Bohemian Grove, what a bunch of perverts. Um, and he was teaching his notes there, said... We're going to be going into Afghanistan. You guys need to invest in this, invest in this, invest in this, because we're going to put a pipeline of oil through there, and this is our whole goal, but we're going to go to war to get it done. The, the manipulation and the godliness that goes on in the upper parts of this government, the evil that takes place, we need to be praying for their salvation, but they're not our hope. As they bring out this type of a child with these Celtic priests and all these guys at the Bohemian Grove are hollering out, kill it, kill it, kill it. And they take it in front of this giant owl where Walter Cronkite used to be the voice of the owl. And they burn this image of this child alive as they sacrifice it to the owl and they're all cheering. And you've had the bushes be a part of that. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. I'm telling you, there is evil going on. 
You need to be sold out to the Word of God. Sold out to the Word of God. Full of homosexuality and prostitution going on there. When I saw that, I thought, Lord, what are our children and grandchildren going to face? And Jesus said, my grace is enough. If I could do what was happening in Rome with my disciples, I can take care of your children and your grandchildren. Just pray for them now. Ask for wisdom, revelation. He said, living by faith, George Mueller, living by faith in God alone keeps my heart in perfect peace. He prayed for financial help and God used people to give. He went on to say, not only does he trust, but he stands with God alone. He said there were over a thousand times when we were down to our last meal, and yet we prayed and God provided. He said, keep yourself happy in the Lord daily by attending to your soul. He would walk and pray daily scriptures. He would get on his knees and read the word out out loud daily, and he would walk in the morning before he ever touched breakfast. He would spend time meditating, memorizing the Word of God. He said, it's been the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that's made the difference in my life, and I cannot get enough. But we're kind of like that old commercial when I was a kid growing up, because my mom used it, that dippity-doo commercial. Just a little dab will do you. Just a little bit. I go to church on Sunday. I might hit a Wednesday once in a while, and I might crack that Bible or listen to some other program. No, you need to be in the Word of God. You do daily. You need to be praying daily. You see, when things break loose, it's not going to be Pastor Adam holding your hand. It's not going to be Pastor Brian there with you. It's not going to be Pastor Taylor. No telling us where he's going to be. It's going to be Jesus and Jesus alone. You're going to need to trust God. The door is God's mercy and grace we access by coming boldly to the throne of grace, believing that we will find what we need. We obtain mercy and find grace to deal with every situation. Somebody say amen. God is always willing to help. Write that down. God is always willing to help, but he's not going to help you to prosper you. He's going to help you to accomplish his will. So point number two is this. We access the door by praying God's will. John 11, 41 and 42. So they took away the stone. Lazarus is dead. They took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, remember now, the door is closed. The tomb is sealed. Lazarus has been dead now for four days. And he says, remove the stone. And his sister Lazarus said, Lord, he stinketh by now. Remove the stone. Don't listen to what the family members say. Remove the stone. Peter is going, and he gets a call. And a lady, and the Bible says her name was Tabitha, which could be translated Dorcas. 
had died. It says she was a disciple. In the ESV, it says she was a disciple of Christ. She had died, and Peter came. And all these people were boo-hooing, and they were crying because she had been dead, and she had been dead. I'm going to get back to Lazarus in a minute. But Peter says to them, remove everybody. Remove everybody. Get them out of here. I don't need all these people. And he goes in, and he shuts the door, just him and the dead body of Tabitha. And it says he prayed. He wasn't even looking at the dead body. It just says he prayed. And then it says he turned to the body, and he says, Tabitha, rise up. And he took his hand out, and it says she rose up and grabbed his hand, and he stood her up. And it says the people were in awe. She wasn't asking to be risen, but God sent him there to do that. Sent him there. But here's Jesus with Lazarus. And it says here, thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. Come on now, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. That is a word for you and I. When you pray, when you ask, and you're asking according to his will, he hears you. Daniel prayed, but the answer didn't come for like 20-some days. Because there's a spiritual battle going on. But I say on this account, on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Man, we need some more Carmen music today. Some of those illustrated songs that he did. Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus says, unwrap him. Unwrap him. God always hears us. John 5, 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, this is another miracle that took place. After Jesus had healed this, another person, he tells this person in John 5, 14, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Come on now, that's a word for us. When God does miracles, when he directs our steps, when he does things in our lives, go and sin no more. He hears us. The last point is this. We access the door because of spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings. They are in Christ. The word in, I-N, means a place of rest where we are totally dependent on Him. We are in Christ. We are at a place of rest, trusting Him to open, shut, and guide us. Stand with me this morning. Do you think the disciples trusted the government of Rome? They knew they were not their source. They saw the corruption. I pray for our government. I pray for our president, vice president, Senate majority leader, minority leader. I pray for these people and ask God to save their souls. 
to change them. I pray for one family member, one grandchild, one spouse to come to know the Lord. This is how I pray. God, if you could just save their spouse and radically change their spouse, that could change them in the direction they're going. God, you could give us a time. But I do believe that there's going to be revival in churches. But revival is for us in the church. Awakening is outside the church. We need an awakening in nations throughout the world. Just bow your heads. John 5, 19, Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Help us, Lord, to see what you're doing, not what we want, because we can't do it without you. John 5, 30 says, I can do nothing on my own, as I hear, I judge on my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. To be in Christ is to do what he did. Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Oh my goodness. We have a lot of folks that are poor in spirit, poor in things that we could pour into them. With your heads bowed this morning, what's God speaking to you? I have a quote here from George Mueller. He says, the only way to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. Can I say that again? The only way to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. I believe great trials are coming. Some of you have endured some already. Trials are the food of faith. Even in tough times, he persevered, claiming we are never losers from doing the will of the Lord. Some of you are shaking your fist at God because of your health, because of what's happening around you. You need to stop that. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. God hasn't done this to you. Some of you have made your own decisions, and you're reaping some stuff that you've sown from years ago. Doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. Doesn't mean Jesus doesn't forgive you, but there's a reaping. Stop shaking your fist at God and start praising God in the midst of the trial and the struggle because he sees the outcome. With your heads bowed this morning, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Owen, I've not heard anybody talk about stuff like this. But I'm sensing something inside of me. I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Believers are praying right now. I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I, I, I want to be a, a believer in Christ. Nobody look around. Would you lift your hand if that's you and say, this is me today. I need Jesus. Just hold it up high. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? I want, to, I want to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Just take it up and put it back down. Yes. 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 Anybody else? I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for these hands going up. Anybody else? Man, we are seeing people weekly give their lives to Christ. 
This is what it's all about. It's time to get serious about God. Anybody else remember me in that prayer, Owen? I want to receive Jesus. Just hold it up and take it back down. I don't want to miss you. If you're watching by home or listening at work or later on, you can receive Christ. Anybody else before I pray? Yes. I see that hand. Man, from young all the way up to folks in their 80s giving their life to Jesus this morning. Do you know what a miracle it is? For people that are older than 14 to give 80% of all salvations happen 13 and under. And when you're that old and you give your life to Christ, what an incredible miracle in the kingdom of God that is. Anybody else say, I need Jesus this morning. I, I want to receive Christ. I want everybody to say this prayer. If you lifted your hand, you can receive Christ. I'll have Pastor Taylor up here. If you don't have a Bible or you'd like to have some material to grow, he'll be up here. He'll get it to you. Come up and let him know that this morning. But I want everybody to say this. Even if you didn't lift your hand, you can receive Christ this morning. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You lived the perfect example. You went to the cross. You died for my sins. You rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. You are my Lord, my Savior. Give me a hunger for your word to fellowship with Christians to be an overcomer in temptation. In Jesus' name. But before we go, you're here this morning and you say, Owen, I feel like there's been a shut door or maybe I've shut the door, the devil's shut the door, and I've gotten off in my walk. But I'm hearing that call, that clear call today. It's time for me to get back on track. Nobody looking around. But you're like, I know I need to be in the Word. I need to be praying more. I need to be about my Father's business. Nobody, look, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, I, that is me today. I'm making, I'm rededicating myself. Yes, hands going up everywhere. Just take it up and put it back down. Anybody else? That's me today. It's just a time of rededication. Yes, 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 yes. Literally a hundred hands. Lord, I pray for every person here and watching and listening this week to this and weeks to come. God, raise them up and make them men and women that are on fire for you, that are seeking your will, that are willing to do whatever you ask them to do because they're in the word and they're memorizing and they're praying and you are directing the steps of the righteous and you're going to take them and have them do things. People are going to be healed. People are going to be delivered. People's lives are going to be changed because they're going to speak out, step up and step out and you're going to use them, God, to advance your kingdom because they're saying, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. We're asking for you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll see you next Sunday. Bring somebody with you.